Eventually, we found out that they'd been deleted. I'd lost 130 podcasts going back 10 years or more. And I thought, obviously, it's okay because they'll be backed up. And and, and gradually, over the course of about a week, I found out that they not only have they not been backed up, not only has it been deleted, it's been overwritten with zeros, pluses, random pluses and ones, so it absolutely can never be got back. Welcome to Podcasting in Real Life, the Buzzsprout show where we dive into the real-life stories of podcasters in the middle of their podcasting journey. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, head of content at Buzzsprout. Now, you won't hear anyone famous on these podcast episodes. Instead, you'll hear everyday podcasters, just like you, share personal stories about how podcasting has impacted them and the things that they've learned along the way. And in today's conversation, I got to sit down with the host of the Shop Talk podcast, Michael Hammond. And it's always a pleasure. It's always a treat whenever I get to chat with somebody across the pond. Uh, There's just something about British accents that are just fun. (laughs) Maybe it's just me. But no, I had a blast doing this interview with Michael. And what was really cool about our conversation and something that I think is really valuable is that Michael has a very super niche podcast speaking directly to and for professional architects. And so if you have a podcast that is designed for a very specific kind of person, and you're not trying to create something that's going to be, you know, a top 200 Apple Podcasts kind of podcast, then some of the things we talk about are going to be really valuable for you to hear just Michael's experience and be able to apply to your own show. And he has a lot of experience because Shop Talk started way back in the day, like about 10 years ago. One of Michael's horror stories, which he he shares with us, he noted in the conversation that is still a painful memory, but how he lost 10 years of podcast episodes. Gone. Wiped off the hard drive. And the backup did not get backed up. And trying to recover those and and what that was like. And it's a story you just have to hear to really appreciate. Because we've all had our horror stories. We've all had those podcasting horror stories. I can't think of any that have been at the gravity and the level of what Michael shared, though. But as far as Michael's origin story... Back when he started Shop Talk, it was still when podcasting was in its infancy. It had just really started to become a thing. So when he helped start Shop Talk, it was very much an experiment. So I looked up my first podcast and it was on uh, the 20th of September 2007. So I think I just beat Brian by a couple of years there. The context of the first podcast was I'd started a business called World Architecture News and what we were doing with that was leapfrogging all the printed media. We were an early adopter of digital media and we were trying to build up traffic and connect with architects around the world. And I've always loved radio. I've always loved listening to the radio. And I can't remember exactly the moment we decided that we would add something to our news. We broadcast news by email and within the business world architecture news we started doing uh, kind of random podcasts and they weren't really mainstream then i mean podcasts were there and also i think there was an expectation that it was going to quickly move through audio and into video 
and we did kind of dabble with that but then it was just a totally different animal we soon dropped that so we, we started doing them and we were basically just interviewing architects we operate out of London and because that's a nice hub a big hub for uh, visiting architects I'd keep a an ear out and if there was a talk going on I'd go along to the talk and take my microphone and interview the architect and I started I got some big names quite early um, and that that was great so it was very much part of the package of what we were doing but it soon became my absolute passion I had a friend that he'd been made redundant for the BBC but he was a sound engineer and he got me into a literally a studio in Brighton where I live that wasn't being used but he was the technical guy which I'm not and he got me to the studio and when that door shut and uh, the airtight door shut and I could see all the acoustic material behind you it was a sound a deadness that I've never heard before it was amazing and we did the podcast and I I was pretty much from that moment hooked we first started uh, doing podcasts within the world architecture news digital website we were one of the first non-paper publications and we'd been going about a couple of years and we we did the first podcast and very soon i just became hooked on it and we had very high traffic at that time our audience was pretty big but it was kind of a a whole different technology back there I, i remember i used to record episodes onto a a CD or my uh, my friend who was the engineer from the BBC he, he used, to, used to record it and drop the CD off around it was great but we always found architects big name architects who were people we were trying to reach they were always very keen to be on this because it you know it was it was like radio and it wasn't just another interview it was it was something a little bit different and the reach was amazing because we were a digital channel and we had a global audience this enabled us to connect with that audience in a way that none of our competitors were doing that at the time. So gradually um, it evolved and we started calling it Shop Talk probably about eight years ago, just as a, a branding exercise. And in, in 2016, the business was sold to a Haymarket Media Group, huge organisation. But I managed to hang on to Shop Talk. And as of January this year, it's now an, an independent podcast and I'm spending a lot more time on it, really trying to build up the audience and listening to your channel, getting advice on how to do that. So that's really interesting. Most people do not start with like, you know, creating a podcast, much less, you know, over a decade ago, specifically to differentiate yourself, to kind of dig more into the digital side of the news media specifically for architecture and then over time transition that to being independent what is different now that you kind of have a hundred percent creative control and you get to decide what the podcast is going to be versus all those years when it was a part of a, a bigger strategy if that makes sense yeah that absolutely makes sense and there's a number of answers to that one of the more dangerous things for me is that uh, as you say I get to follow the uh, the routes that I want to follow uh, and I've got to be really careful that I'm not losing audience I'm managing to find things that and people that are going to be interesting to, to a general audience the one challenge is that the podcast before was kind of subsidized it was just part of a big offering we didn't charge for it and it the costs got lost in what was you know, got quite a big business in the end. 
now it's on its own you know I, I'm looking for some revenue getting some sponsors and that's the part of the side of podcasts that I don't enjoy I don't want to do but it's a reality but also another challenge is that I'm very keen that I don't have overwhelming commercial presence you know I want shop talk to be as much like a, a completely independent radio channel and not with shout outs or you know flashing signs so I'm trying I'm trying to develop that in a kind of a, a quiet way if that if that makes sense that totally makes sense that really hits the heart of every podcaster that's trying to figure out how do I give my podcast legs to continue to grow and to meet my goals and to be successful without essentially like selling out or just inserting spam for short-term goals and maybe some extra revenue in the in the meantime. I think everyone can relate to that. The kind of thing I'm doing, which which is, it's early days, but I, I think it's going to work. So if I've got an architect that's just designed a, an amazing timber building, it's a building that's of interest to our audience. It's an amazing building. So, you know, anyone in architecture would, would want to find out how the architect designed it. And then before we broadcast it, before we record it, I'll approach the timber suppliers of that particular building, the people that are involved in it. And I'm getting some support there that they will kind of fund some discrete support for it within maybe the web page, maybe a little bit at the beginning. But it's very much related to that particular uh, podcast. And I I think people will understand and, and accept that. Especially if you're transparent about it, you know, I think that's the thing that riles more listeners than the fact that you are making a little bit of money from your podcast is if they feel like they're being taken advantage of or that you're being deceitful in some way. So yeah, and I think that you're going about it right with trying to make sure that when you do introduce them to sponsors or other companies, that it's something they will actually benefit from and not just trying to sell out to the highest bidder. So One thing that I'm really curious about with your podcast is it's very niche, right? It's people that are architects and are in the architect business. Um, What has that been like kind of carving out a space as someone that is known for your podcast within that community? What has that been like for you? Uh, It's been absolutely brilliant because we don't get a lot of feedback. We don't do controversial stuff, so we don't get tons of people saying oh you know your you know your podcast is rubbish or your podcast is brilliant I mean they, they just listen to it and I love it when I just happen to be you know in a meeting you know in an, an event in London and somebody says oh you know I, I heard your uh, podcast about Raphael Vinoni I never knew that he played the piano in the office it's something that I try and do with a podcast is is find something new something a little bit unusual personal maybe that the guys out in the architectural community community don't know and I think that kind of locks me into that you know delivering something you know, a little bit extra than you could get on a uh, you know a, a news article in the press. And who are the people that you typically bring on to your podcast? You've mentioned that you reach out to architects some of them very well-known architects who are some of the figures that you've been able to have on and then when you're kind of getting ready to interview somebody that is well-known or that a lot of people in your particular niche are familiar with what kinds of questions do you like to ask them to differentiate yourself from just like a normal press release i tend to do two different kinds of podcasts one is um is either a project or or a technology so so as i just mentioned yeah somebody's just created a a new building and it's getting a lot of attention so 
I'll try and get a, a, an interview with them and talk about that building. The kind of holy grail, though, to be honest, is to get a big name and get a you know a, a one-to-one with them, and that is something that I know. You can see the, the, the audience figures going up. I mean, people, you know, I, I mentioned Raphael Vinoli. I mean, uh, Daniel Liebskin, I've, I've done a few podcasts with him. And he's just an amazing, uh, amazingly accomplished architect. And uh, I'm sure you probably know he, he did the master plan for the World Trade Centre. But in his childhood, he was, you know, in the back streets of Warsaw, in, in leading a, you know, a, a terrible, terrible existence, a terrible times. So he's, you know, actually getting him to talk about his life, uh, that people see, get to hear the person behind the architecture, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. And I think that's what's really cool about this podcast that we're doing is hearing stories of people that no matter kind of where they're coming from or what they're talking about, you start to understand the people behind the shows. Like I think about podcasters that I listen to personally, and I feel like I know them on a deeper, more intimate level because people share things on podcasts that you wouldn't see in a YouTube video or in a news article. So it's really cool being able to capture those stories and to kind of give people behind the scenes look into the lives of people that we don't necessarily know personally, but can respect and look up to professionally or just know from a distance. One of, one of my favorite questions is um, taking them back to their childhood. When did you first become aware of architecture? When, you know, were you inspired by a building? And, and I get the most diverse responses to that question that you can ever imagine from big name architects yeah one of them was uh, oh i love the smell of concrete uh, another was i like the name architect i didn't know what it what it meant but i just loved the name and always wanted to be one and just crazy things uh, you know that uh, wouldn't normally be covered by a uh, by an interview well and i'm curious how your podcast overlaps with your own personal career like what you do on a daily basis I mean, I've made it the assumption to this point, but are you in an, an architect or in the architecture space? <laughs> okay, so my strapline to that question, which I get asked a lot. No, I'm not an architect, um, but my my father was an architect. I always uh, say that I spent my whole life trying not to be an architect, and <laughs> I just keep getting drawn back into it. So probably, really, in, I, I should have been an architect. But I've done the next next best thing. I've I've talked about it, written about it, and been totally immersed in it for the last sort of 35 years so that's totally fine like (laughs) it wasn't a pass-fail question I was just curious because it's always interesting to me to kind of hear how people decide to do the podcast that they do I know for you when shop talk first started it wasn't just a personal endeavor there was a business element to it I'm always curious to hear those stories there is another business element so I, I do still have a company called Built Environment Media and that supplies architectural tenders to um, something like 30% of the top 100 architects. It's a business intelligence service. We've got a team scattered around the world that puts this together and publishes it every day and we need to get at high level people within that organisation, within architectural firms to get them to subscribe to that and it's quite expensive because it's, it's a really high quality service. And it's really hard to get at these top architects and their business development teams. So what I do, and I, you know, I kind of openly, um, as, as you said earlier, it's completely transparent about this. I will ask and invite 
at a timely moment to interview the CEO of the architect firm. And then once I've done a podcast with them, as you say, we know each other, there's a bond. And then I will ask if they could, you know, be introduce me to their business development team and then we'll, we'll make contact and discuss what we offer. Uh, whereas if you just send them an email, I say, buy this, they're going to just not even open it. Yes. When I first heard somebody using that kind of a strategy with a podcast, I was like, wow, that is genius. That's like the Trojan horse right there. <laughs> just sneak right in. Oh no, I want to talk to you on a podcast. Now that we're friends, I know that I can make your business more successful if we work together. Let's, let's figure that out. So talk to me about that, because I know for many people, when they think about generating revenue from their podcast, it's typically a conversation around advertising. But for you, I mean, that, that sounds more like you're trying to get leads for clients. What has been your success rate doing that? Um, I, in fairness, I've only been doing that this year, and it's a really tough business to, to get into. The strategy as far as getting into Architect Studios to discuss it has is, is been working really well. But the firms that we work with are so big, they often have like 16 international offices. Some of them have a central business development team. Some of them have them in each individual city. And the decision-making process to subscribe to something like this, it's really hard. But what, what I'm doing is, is you know, as, as you said earlier, just getting in the door, talking to them, finding out what they're using and what their challenges are. And basically, you know, I'm a, I, I become a familiar face in their office and you know we are we have got business i mean we're getting business two or three contracts this year we don't need very many because as i say it's a um, it's a high level service and but also it's just great to meet these guys to actually i mean i just love going in architects offices and studios uh, models and they're just great places to be and and i often um try and do the podcast there if i can because I, then I get to meet other people. They come in and say, what are you doing? And uh, I've got the, you know, one of the directors with the microphones on his desk. People just wander in and say, hello, it's just brilliant. That is so cool. Uh, what would you say is your favorite part of podcasting? Or what do you enjoy most about podcasting? Just actually um, <laughs> turning it off at the end, knowing that I've captured some good content. I mean, I, I'm smiling like a cat often. When I, when I know I'm getting somebody talking freely and, we, you know, I've got them laughing, which I try to do early on to get them to relax. Uh, but the moment that I turn it off there, I, I get, I've got it. Because I'm sure like a lot of your fellow podcasters, you know, I've had the odd technical, technical glitch and some pretty big disasters, including one which I can probably make most of your listeners cry and weep which I guess we're going to have to talk about at some point during the, uh, the session here. But no, in, in answer, the moment when I know that I've got it and then we can, you know, uh, get it edited and whatever, it's, it's very, very satisfying. Oh, well, I have to know now. You've led me this far, Michael. Don't stop now. <laughs> what was your worst? I still struggle to talk about it. So here we go. Back in 2016, when we sold the, the, the main part of the business world, Architecture News, and I managed to, to wrestle shop talk off of the, uh, the new owners. We had a, a period of, of kind of shared existence that shop talk was on a separate server, um, all the content, the images and everything, well, I say all the content, most of the content was on the server that I owned and operated and was backing up. But unbeknown to me, my colleagues that I've been working with, and there was, there's no fault to this, it's one of those terrible, terrible things that 
It was just a misunderstanding. The MP3 files themselves were not on Shop Talk. They were somewhere else. They were on World Architecture News. And I worked with them for two years during a transition period. And at the end of that two years, they wanted to move to their own servers. And one, one day I, I, w- I was just checking the site. I'm like, none of the MP3 files are working. I checked with my technicians and they said, well... No, they're not, they're not working, but they're not on the server. They looked at the paths, and eventually we found out that they'd been deleted. I'd lost 130 podcasts going back 10 years or more. And I thought, oh, I, obviously, it's okay, because they'll be backed up. And, I, and, and gradually, over the course of about a week, I found out that they, not only had they not been backed up, I mean, I pleaded with the ISP. I, I actually was on the phone to this guy and I made him walk to the server with a phone and I said, look, tell me that it might say that you've deleted it, but really it might just be kind of not deleted. And he went there and said, no, it's not only it's been deleted, it's been overwritten with zeros, pluses, random pluses and ones. So it absolutely can never be got back. So then I thought, well, okay, most of this was on Apple as well, it was on iTunes, so I'll just get it back from them. And I'm, I always understood that if an MP3 file was streamed through iTunes, that they would have it. But it sounds like they might have cached some of it. But actually, the end result was I lost over 100 original files, podcasts. I think I've got back about 50 now by getting the raw files that I might have edited, re-engineering them. Uh, I've got some that people have downloaded I managed to get back. And it's just been so distressing. Um, It's like lots of little children (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm sure only your listeners will understand the despair of finding that I've lost uh, especially when I was trying to uh, just go my own way with it it was uh, a big blow understandably <laughs> that is quite the unsettling news I can only imagine what that would be like the irony is we, we were paying a fortune for backups for the whole server but the moment that um, the new owner closed the account the ISP just wiped everything so all these huge backups I mean going back every, every week for 10 years they were all deleted I, it's, I still find it hard to believe so how did you pick up the pieces from that and keep going because I imagine there would have been a piece of you that was like well I guess that's the end of that how did you keep going I never thought that for quite a long time I thought I was going to find to look under a stone as it were I, so the lengths I went to first of all I, I've really really pushed uh, iTunes hard I still never totally got to find out how it works and th- there's still a chance then that there might be in a corner of iTunes somewhere. But I went around f- looking at old computers I'd had, old hard drives, pulling them off of there. I think some friends had downloaded some and I got those files back. My current editor, an amazing guy called Eric Woods, who, who's actually in Spain. He does the editing in Spain. Um, and he had he had the raw files of a whole load of them. So we just had to put the intros back in and and kind of rebuild them. But yeah, and a whole load of different ways, mainly through just f- finding them on old computers and piecing together bits. So, so I, I've got I've got back about fifty now, and, and quite good ones. I, I very few of the the really great ones are gone, but there is one in particular that is very close to me. I, I'm sure you you know the architect um, Zaha Hadid, 
Uh, I recorded her in London when she got a gold medal at the RIBA, and that was in the very early days. And we broadcast that to our community. And for ages, I was getting um, emails from people and they would say to me, do you know, Michael, I know everything about that architect. I know the buildings. I know her career. I know everything about her, but I've never heard her voice. And I was shocked when I heard her voice. It's not what I imagined her. You know, she was a big woman, but she had a really squeaky voice and, and she, it was a piercing voice. And so many people actually the first time they ever heard Zaha Hadid speak was on our podcast so I'm really proud of that and that one got lost you just got to roll with the punches I guess <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 so I, I'm now creating more every week I'm doing I'm doing at least one a week did one yesterday with an amazing lady in Madrid so yeah keep going just gotta keep at it now you mentioned that one of the things that you really love about podcasting is capturing people's stories and not just being able to share them, but being able to document them and archive them. Why is that important, do you think? Why is it important to not just have these conversations, but be able to have them available to anyone that wants to listen to them? I think that's probably just the journalist in me. I mean, I've been running a news organization since 2005. I was a freelance journalist before that. I've written books on architecture. It, it's just, well, I, I've never actually asked myself that question. It's just what I do. You, you, you find some information you want to share it it's not scandal it's you know it's just sharing information it's what i do yeah i know for me whenever i think about it i think it's almost like i'm creating this little time capsule this moment in time that whether somebody listens to it a year after i posted or five years or you know if it still exists 20 years from now it's almost like a window into a past reality. It's like watching the History Channel, but but in your ears. Absolutely, absolutely. And often, you know, the, uh, we're all we're all getting older, and a lot of the architects are, I interview are, oh, you know, older, and a lot of them, a few of them, have passed away. One that hasn't, though, was quite fun. I mean, one of my early successes, I I managed to interview Richard Rogers in the Pompidou Centre in Paris. I actually went over there and there was, there was a press there and I managed to get in a queue and, and interview him standing in this, this amazing building. And, and the building was celebrating the 30 years of the Pompidou Centre. And I was always proud of that. And I, luckily, I've, I've still got that one. And then 10 years later, all the papers were full of Richard Rogers and it's the 40th anniversary. And I thought, oh, hang on, we'll just pump that one out and say, look, this is what we recorded 10 years ago. And we've got loads of hits, people, because it's still relevant. All the, you know, the information about how he designed the building and how he was admiring it and he got told a French, a Parisian lady who was looking at it and he said, I did that and she hit him over the head with her umbrella. <laughs> so all of, all of those stories, you know, they, they will, they, they're there for good and, and that's, well, <laughs> providing I keep the backups going. <laughs> they're there for good now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I imagine you've probably heard some pretty interesting, some pretty funny stories in your, your 10 years of podcasting. Are there any that stick out that are just really memorable to you? I've mentioned a couple, but there are probably more, more insights into ways that the eccentricities of architects and that they divulge how they work. And I mean, just even yesterday, I was interviewing Martha Thorne. She's the chief executive of the uh, the Pritzker Prize. Yeah, it's the Nobel Prize for Architecture, and she runs a IE. Uh, architecture school in madrid and they they have totally totally um diverse students from from different parts of the world and you know, she just 
she just mentioned uh, that uh, it, it is a challenge with they, everyone's coming from different cultures and so for instance yeah when we start a new term we always know that the the guys from southern Europe are the ones that are late and the ones from Northern Europe are never late, so we just have to lay down the ground rules. It's little little details like that you kind of never really think about the different cultures that uh, that are, you know the architects are exposed to. Ken Shuttleworth, he used to work with Foster's. He's now um, he designed the Gherkin uh, in London, and we were in his office, and it came out in the conversation that and I asked him how his business is doing well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's going really well. Um, our staff are having lots of babies, and that, that's always a good sign. It shows that they're happy and content and secure. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, we, you know, we kind of ran the story on you know that 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 part of it. I mean, it, it's endless. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a joy to do because, as I say, you get to uh, get get a one to one, and it, it's it's a very personal thing. Well, and it allows you to connect with people that you would never have an opportunity to otherwise, right? It's like without your podcasts, I imagine the amount of architects you could connect with and have one-on-one conversations with would decrease dramatically. Absolutely, yeah, it is. It's a doorway and, and I'm very uh, honored to be, you know, to, to be able to do that and I'm aware of that completely, yeah. So I'm curious how your podcast has kind of evolved over time. You've been doing this for quite a while I imagine the episodes you produce now sound very different than the first ones that you were putting together. What are some ways that maybe your podcast has evolved over the years? Well, that's a very good question, Travis. As I, th- I did sort of touch on earlier, uh, I- I'm not a technical person, but however, I do love the kit. I mean, I am. <laughs> I saw your microphone there. I want one of those. In the early days for me, it was very much, I was followed around by sound energy with the microphone and I didn't do anything i literally spoke and yeah did, did the, the, the the presenting side um the guy that was from the bbc he they, they took him back so i lost him which was a shame and then we did stuff in-house for a while at world architecture news that was a little bit more hit and miss we bought our own kit where i am now i've just managed to get uh, i mean i i do all of the, the the recording and everything myself and then send the file over to uh, my editor Eric in, in in Spain, and he tidies it up. And I mean, I know what I've got to send him. I know what I've got to capture to enable him to to put together a, a clean recording. And I am, I think, in a position now which, where I'm able to think much more about what I'm trying to do with a podcast, what angle I'm getting with it, and I'm not so um, hysterical about the. Um, the technology, which is, for, for many years has been a bane. I've tried new things that haven't worked, and there's nothing worse than finding that you've got a, you know, you've taken an hour of someone's time and you've got a bad recording and you know, there's background noise and things like that. So it's taken me 10 years to, to feel comfortable that I can now do podcasts and just really kind of focus on, on what it's all about and, and getting into the inside track of that person. It's all par for the course, Michael. I you never get so good that you are beyond those beginner mistakes. Like I did a long distance interview with somebody on this podcast, actually, not too long ago. And the interview was great. We had some questionable setup type situations, uh, technically doing the recording. And then when I started listening back to it, it was like, wow, this is completely unsalvageable. 
So I had to email them and say, can we do it again, please? And this time go in this room instead and use this mic. It definitely can be a little bit deflating when you're like, I just put all that work into this awesome interview and I can't use it at all. We've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. One of my worst disasters was, uh, seems to be a, <laughs> a podcast about my disasters. We went up to interview, uh, it was a guy, you, you probably don't know his name's uh, John Gummer, and he was part of Margaret Thatcher's cabinet. He was the environment minister. We got him talking about these radical measures they wanted to do on, on energy. And it was, it was really newsworthy stuff. We went to his home or his office within his home and we recorded this thing and we got some really amazing content. And when we got out in the street, I said, well, that was great. This is, this is so cool. We got this, this, this is brilliant. And my engineer was, was checking his uh, recording and he was kind of going paler by the minute. And he said, oh, God, I don't know how to break this to you, but I, I don't think I press record. <laughs> and and we, we, never, we never got back in. Yep, that has happened before as well. For me, I've been lucky that it's only happened on like five minute episodes, like a five minute Monday. Where I'm like, oh, all right, well, I got to get five minutes back. It's tough when you schedule time and you're like, you know, carved out an hour with somebody who doesn't have a lot of extra time. And then, well, oh, well. So much for that. <laughs> so I want to shift a little bit. I want to ask you about kind of the future of Shop Talk, the future of your podcast. What are the goals that you have set for yourself? What are the things that you're hoping to accomplish with your podcast in the future? In the short term, uh, going forward in the next year or so, I want to get some great content. Every week uh, I'm kind of pushing them out and I'm trying to kind of build it and maybe get a do sort of mini series of three kind of related podcasts I mean I mentioned timber buildings before I like to you know interview different architects on building timber buildings in different ways and and these kind of things but also I I, I was going back on what something that you said that I think you uh, said we're, we're trying to capture podcasters midway through their career well hopefully I am midway through mine but I, I am toying with the idea of maybe bringing in somebody younger and having to give you know maybe a bit of succession that you know attract a bit of a younger audience if if we have a, a you know cross-generational banter I mean I haven't I haven't done anything on this yet but it, it's something that I'd like to think that as a legacy that it would continue kind of beyond me does that make sense yeah that totally makes sense I think that's a great goal I think one of the coolest things about podcasting is that you can make it literally whatever you want if you see an opportunity to help it grow and progress and evolve to become something even bigger than it is now, then there's nothing stopping you. And that's something I love hearing about. So, so Michael, I got one final question for you, and then we'll wrap this up. And you can take this however you want to. be really curious to hear your answer. But if you, for some reason, had a time machine that could take you back in time to the day before you launched your first ever podcast episode, and you had time to give yourself one piece of advice, what do you think that you would tell yourself? Take backups. Back it all up. <laughs> if anybody hears this podcast and oh my god, I better take a backup. Honestly, that that will be amazing to think that we've saved somebody uh, from losing. So it's, it's it's a precious thing. Is that that hour of uh, exchange on a podcast? And um, I'd like to think that <laughs> hearing this disaster would would stop someone else doing it. If you'd like to learn about famous architects and stay up to date on what's going on in the world of architecture, then make sure to check out the Shop Talk podcast at shoptalkpodcast.com. 
and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you wish that you could be featured on a future episode of Podcasting in Real Life? Well, you can. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes and just fill out the form to submit your application. And if today's episode resonated with you or if there was a story that really clicked with you that you said, yeah, I can totally relate to that, I would love to hear about it. If you have an iPhone, the best way to do that is leave a review in Apple Podcasts to let me know what you thought and also to let other people know that, hey, you should be listening to this podcast if you aren't yet. If you don't have an iPhone, you can jump into the Buzzsprout podcast community, which is our Facebook group, where you can, again, let me know what you thought about the episode and then also connect with everybody else in the Buzzsprout community. And then make sure to stick around for Friday's bonus episode, where I'm going to answer Michael's number one question about podcasting. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep podcasting.